Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside my good friend for the first time in a little while from the Bucks Radio Network, Justin Garcia, who I assume is trying to enjoy what little time off he will have before things really fire up again. And uh, I, I hope you're enjoying that, Justin. But we bring this episode to you today as I would describe a dark day in international basketball, particularly for me. Uh, Australia went down to Team USA in the Olympics. We discussed this game a little bit with Frank a couple of days ago. Justin, I couldn't podcast yesterday. Uh, I mentioned this to you, but I've been working these night shifts covering the Olympics with the broadcaster over here. And uh, so I've been sleeping during the day. And I woke up yesterday and my choice was either to watch this game, Team USA in Australia, or do a podcast. And I'm sorry, but the national team took precedence. And I didn't expect that Australia were going to win this game. But halfway through the second quarter, we've all been there before when there's a potential upset brewing. It's impossible not to just get that little tinge of excitement. So I started to get a little bit anxious. I started to sweat a little bit. And then unfortunately, it all fell apart very quickly, which I must admit, I will say this. I had a few people ask me like whether I was really bothered by it. Really, really upset I was yesterday. It, just, it was devastating. I was really, really upset. I mentioned this before, but when Australia plays Team USA, there's only one result that should happen and that should be USA should beat Australia. I mean, it's not, I don't think we're, you know, speaking out of school there to say that I can admit that, but when you have a little bit of hope, it's the same with all sports. It's, it's cruel, Justin, when it gets ripped away from you as quickly as this one did. Yeah. So, uh, so upset that you couldn't have gotten through to uh, Patty Mills and convinced him to somehow take the uh, taxpayer mid-level exception with the bucks. So that kind of derailed, the Bucks off season, so I, I guess it's it's you to blame for uh, the reasons that everyone's complaining about a lackluster off season for the team. Well, think about this: Kevin Durant is in Tokyo, uh, so is Chris Milton and Drew Holiday. I blame Drew and Chris. Where's the recruiting? You can't let Kevin Durant be hugging Patty Mills after this game like that. Kevin Durant's like looking forward to getting to know this guy. Come on, Chris. Come on, Drew. Can you do a bit more recruiting? They should have got Patty on board, right? Well, especially when Drew has been by far the second best player on Team USA throughout these Olympics. I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have uh, seen some of the pieces, and I know there was something that was just up on, uh, I think, ESPN talking about Drew Holiday's play through the Olympics. But to me, that's what's really stood out, and we saw it as soon as he and Chris Middleton arrived in Tokyo. But starting with that first loss to France, where you saw the impact that he was bringing – that to me has been the biggest takeaway of we obviously saw what he's capable of doing in the NBA and doing that in the playoffs and the NBA finals. But Drew Holiday, maybe for the casual fan, has been the guy that stood out the most throughout these Olympics. Yeah, no question. It's been, aside from my own uh, sadness, it's been really fun to see Drew Holiday play the way that he's played for Team USA. We know Chris Milton. I mean, when you look at this team, he can sometimes be sort of washed into the background because, I mean, this is why we love Chris Milton. He's that player that, 
for the Bucks when he's playing next to Giannis, playing next to whoever it is. He just does what he needs to do. He can come up, he can hit big shots, but the reality is he's probably not going to get those minutes in this in this team, on in this lineup, which you can feel however you want to feel about that. But I just think that, you know, Pop has proven that he's going to go with Tatum, he'll go with Booker, he'll go with those guys. But Drew Holiday for mine, aside from Kevin Durant, who clearly through stretches in this tournament has carried Team USA. And I must admit, I was sitting there watching Kevin Durant yesterday and he hit a couple of jump shots. A couple of them were defended by Matisse Steibel. A couple of them were defended by Dante Exum. And I just thought it was unbelievable defense. And it didn't matter. And I was like, hang on, I'm back here again. Wasn't I here just a month ago watching this and shaking my head with Kevin Durant hitting jump shots? He's absolutely ridiculous. But Drew Holiday, clearly the second most important player on this team. And it's not close. And the reason for that, aside from the defense as a guy that's going to be 100% committed to playing defense for the full 40 minutes of a FIBA game, offensively, he's the only guy that keeps the ball moving. And, and I thought that this was a big key in this game, that Drew Holiday was the guy that got the ball fizzing a little bit on the perimeter and the, and the USA offense was able to get rolling because I think when they were just settling for jump shots, the Boomers were able to, A, push them off the perimeter, chase them off the perimeter, but B... The Team USA players, when they came around screens, when they tried to run actions, it was always score first. They were always looking to score, and that became too easy for Australia to defend, and I think Drew Holiday was the point of difference there. He gets the ball moving, he penetrates, kicks those balls out to the perimeter for open threes, and that's when the game started to turn. So I agree with you. Drew Holiday's been fantastic. We're not surprised to see it, but it's certainly fun to see everyone giving him the plaudits that he deserves because he's been fantastic. Yeah, and um, part of it is funny too, where you see some of the the praise that he's getting, and you think, like, were you not watching the last three weeks of the playoffs? And I get that offense stands out more than anything, and and Drew had some struggles offensively, but I mean, this is who he's been throughout the season, and you know, for a larger audience, and it's really what most of us talked about throughout the season when Drew Holiday came here. You know, we can go back to all the sound clips of. Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard and everybody else saying that Drew was the most underrated player in the league. And we all kind of got to experience why that was. And you saw the little things that he did and how good he was. But, um, you, you know, to see that go up a notch in the playoffs and now to see it in the international stage happening as well, it, it's, uh, it's kind of the, yeah, I told you so. Like we knew this last year and we found it out last year when everybody else was telling us. But now an even larger audience is getting to witness just how good Drew Holiday is. No question. And the Team USA or Team USA will now face France for the gold medal. France did beat them earlier in the tournament. But I do think that Team USA have started to figure things out in terms of playing with each other and probably just playing more unselfish. So I would expect Team USA will win that game pretty comfortably and take the gold there. France get through, and I was working this game over here, and Nick Batum. This guy, I, I don't know. I mean, he looks all of a sudden like he's got another six years left in the in the league. He had four blocks in this one, blocked Luca a couple of times. He came up with the game-winning block off the backboard as well. So he looked fantastic. That'll be a fun game to watch. And Australia, unfortunately, they just dealt, uh, dealt with Kevin Durant. Now you get Luka Doncic and try and get that bronze. So we'll see what happens there. The one other thing I'll mention before we move on to George Hill and then we move on to some of the other free agent discussions around the NBA I did bring up Dante Exum on the podcast a couple of days ago, and I was trying to be a little bit careful that I didn't come across, and I don't really care if I come across as an Aussie homer. That's the one thing that I'm willing to say. I will always pump up my Aussie friends, but I did bring up Dante Exum as a guy that has been playing 
pretty good basketball throughout this tournament. And, you know, it's great for him when you think about the story and the injuries that he's had that have really curtailed his career from a top five pick. And I, I did get some feedback from a lot of people. No, Exum sucks. He's terrible. So to see Exum play as well as he did in that game and probably along with Matisse Thibel and, you know, Patty and these guys that have been in the league for long enough, Joe Ingles, probably those four were the guys that you looked at and said, yeah, they look like NBA players out there and they look like they can defend against this Team USA team. So it was cool to see Dante Exum. I think he's definitely going to get a deal. Uh, we'll see. The Bucks. we don't know what's going to go on with them. We already know that they've signed the backup uh, point guard there which George in George Hill, which brings us to the topic of George Hill. So when this deal was announced, uh, when I was podcasting with Frank a couple of days ago, we didn't exactly know what the money amount would be. I think both of us had heard a little whisper that it was going to be a little bit more than the minimum, and that was certainly the case. Signs a two-year, $8 million deal, which uh, does mean that a little bit of that taxpayer MLE has been used here. And essentially, there's not much left of that regardless. So it's you know probably minimums from here on out for the Bucks. What was your reaction when you saw the money amount? Because I did tweet about it. It seemed that there was some people frustrated, and I'm not sure how much of that is actually directed towards this, toward the signing of George Hill, and it's not just leftover frustration from perhaps other moves in the free agency. But did you have any thoughts on the, on the two-year $8 million for George Hill? I didn't uh, have a whole lot of thoughts on the money that, um, you know, I was, as, as you had mentioned, you guys had kind of assumed it's going to be a little more than the minimum, and that's what I was thinking too. So I, I wasn't surprised, good or bad, by the uh, dollar figures that came out. It was more just the, the move when it was first put out there a couple of days ago really surprised me and like you guys talked about too I mean he's a guy that certainly fits the need that they have and is a clear upgrade over Jeff Teague and DJ Augustine uh and I think too the the thing with with George Hill this go-round is I don't think you're going going to be asking as much of him or require as much of him as you did his first stop here in Milwaukee which is only going to help him and he was good during that, uh, what, year and a half, two-year run that he had here. I was just surprised because of, you know, as we talked about through the year, too, when it happened, some of the comments that he made on his way out and basically insinuating that because he was one of the more vocal and outspoken guys, that's why he wasn't brought back. So uh, to see him land in Milwaukee, I was glad and certainly happy that he's back here and, and the the need that the Bucks have that he can fill. But I was surprised. So my surprise was more with him just coming back here more so than it was with the money fee. All right, Justin, let's get into it about Built Bar now, the best tasting protein bar that has ever been made. And as you guys may have heard me over the last week or so here with Built Bar, we're talking about freedom of choice. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There's something for everyone. I actually got a DM yesterday or a tweet yesterday from a listener who had got the mix box. I think they were absolutely enjoying their life decision to get on board Built Bar. And I think you will too. There's plenty of flavors from coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, and many, many more that you can check check out over at Built.com. They're healthy for you too, which is very important to note. 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories, only four to five grams of sugar and four to five grams of net carbs. It's also the official protein bar of the US track and field team, which have been doing uh, reasonably well over there in Tokyo. As we record this podcast, go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED for 15% off at, at built.com. 
I will say this. I'm a little bit shocked. And of course, let's just say George Hill perhaps didn't look the best playing in Philadelphia in the postseason. But I am a little bit shocked that Bucks fans who get so much enjoyment out of ripping on the Sixers would read too much into anyone that was playing for the Sixers during that playoff run when it was such a disaster for Philadelphia. I mean, I, I, I'm just... You know, I mean, that situation clearly... Let's, let's just say that locker room didn't appear from the outside, that they were all together. So I don't read a lot from that. What I do like is the fact that last season, overall, he still shot uh, 39% from three, which is a number that you like. How much has he got defensively? Time will tell. But he's a guy that can shoot the ball. He can handle the ball a little bit. And quite frankly, he's just a, a massive upgrade over Jeff Teague or DJ Augustine. I mean, regardless of his age, we'll see. I always say this with free agent signings. I don't think it's, I don't think it would be prudent or smart to too quickly declare a win or a loss over a player, particularly at George Hill's age. But just on the surface, I do enjoy the signing. I'm happy with it. I'm happy they got him back. And I think it was a pretty good option out of the guys that I think were actually tenable and I, and you know, or attainable, I should say. And the one thing that I always like to point out, at least with free agency, is that. While there's all these names on the list and you might see some other guys signed somewhere else. So, you know, Malik Monk to the Lakers stands out to me as a guy that I really think has some upside. And the fact that the Lakers were able to get him on a minimum is, is pretty frustrating. If you're a team like the Bucks, they could have certainly used him on their roster. But despite the fact that Milwaukee have won a championship, despite the fact that they've got Giannis, I think we've seen the benefits of having the stable franchise that they've had, a winning franchise that we've had with some of the signings they've been able to pick up. But nonetheless, I, I just, you still, as Milwaukee, as the franchise is in Milwaukee, you're still not going to just have free reign. You're not going to be able to get guys for cheap like a franchise like the Lakers will be, will be able to do or Miami. That's just, that's just the way it is. So maybe, you know, some of those guys you might look out there and say, well, I would have preferred them over Rodney Hood or I would have preferred them over Semi Ojale and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, well, maybe it's fine but we don't know the full details of who actually wanted to play in Milwaukee. And that's something that I think is always worth reminding. But with the Bucks roster situation right now, they have got some decisions to make. And probably the most immediate decision they have to make with Sam is with Sam Merrill, with his uh, deal that can either be waived or will become fully guaranteed over the weekend. And I think we're going to get some clues into what the Bucks are actually thinking with these guys moving forward here pretty quickly because we don't know what's going on with Nassus. Haven't heard anything about him. I always assumed that he was going to sign again, but to this point, and I'll say this, I don't think he's going anywhere else. So I don't think there's any rush to get that deal done, but we just haven't heard anything there. I did suspect that the Bucks were going to add one more veteran on this roster and they were probably going to cut one of these guys, whether it was Merrill or Bryant. So we'll see. Do you, are you leaning any way here? Uh, look, I think we all enjoyed the fact that Sam Merrill could shoot the ball the way that he can shoot it. It was fun to see him out there playing. As a guy that's a little bit older, as a guy that was pick 60 last year with the guys the Bucks have on their roster, I still just don't really see any avenue for him to play. I could be wrong. Yeah, I think, um, I think the optimism over Sam Merrill was really largely because of some of the draft write-ups that you saw, and maybe you stayed up late and you saw him in the Mountain West tournament and the uh, Mountain West Luca nickname that he was given by some. Like That's what really generated the interest that, hey, here's a guy that can shoot and this team needs shooting. Um, but at, you know, as you saw him throughout the year, he's 
he's just a ways away from being even a rotational player that's bottom of the rotation. And the biggest trouble is what you just hinted at is I think he's a ways away and he's not exactly young. So I would be very surprised if he isn't waived before the weekend. So his deal does not guarantee. I mean, you could still give him one of your two way slots, but um, I just, I think the bucks are past where they were last year, where, um, Sam Merrill, especially, I mean, Jordan Wara is a guy that it, it certainly seems like they have a lot of hope for, but Sam was on the roster last year because of the financial constraints that they just couldn't afford anything else. And now that they're past that and they aren't hard capped, that's where they can uh, go in other avenues. So uh, I, it was a nice story and you thought, okay, maybe he can develop into something that he's a guy that could shoot in college. But as we saw, he's, he's just not ready for that level. And you know, I don't know that given his age and, uh, and everything else, I, I don't know that he'll ever be a rotational player. I would lean towards no, but this is a team that they just don't have the avenues to really give him that. And I think, you know, maybe it's, maybe things would have gone differently too if the Wisconsin Hurt were a part of the G League last year and, and you could then give him some minutes. Or if there was more than just that, what, five weeks that we had a G League season, then you could have maybe developed him a little more. But I think that's really put him behind the eight ball and it has kind of stunted any development he had and, and really keeps him in a spot where if you're a championship caliber team, you just don't have room for Sam Merrill at this point. I think it's fair. And we'll say, and again, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised. Like it wouldn't shock me if they keep Sam Merrill around, but you brought up the Wisconsin herd, you brought up the G league and potentially uh, there's a two way spot open there. We know, uh, Mamu has one of those, but it wouldn't be completely beyond the realms of possibility if one of these guys, and I would say it would probably be the younger guys. I'd be surprised if they gave a two-way deal to Elijah Bryant, for instance. But if Sam Merrill, they decided to waive him this weekend, uh, it, it wouldn't shock me to see him obviously still play in Summer League, which begins this weekend. And then potentially he picks up a two-way or maybe one of the guys on the roster that we don't know a lot about is, is someone that can pick up one of those two-way spots. So there's certainly options there. Um, the point about the hard cap is important that you bring that up. And, you know, again, if the if the owners, and we've spoken about this a lot about the financial stuff, but if the owners think, or the I guess the organization thinks that the Bucks have a strong enough rotation and they're going to wait to add a veteran later on in the season, which I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that they're probably going to do that, given what we know about this team over the last three years, the fact that they've always made additions either via trade or via the buyout market, then maybe they'll just enter the season as is and they're fine to, to carry Sam Merrill on the roster or Sam Merrill could be the one that makes way for Thanasis. We'll wait and see what happens there. I think in general, when you look at the roster and where it's at right now in terms of the rotation, I have seen a, a fair bit of sentiment that the Bucks have gone backwards or the Bucks aren't as strong as they were last year. And I think it's always hard to tell at this time of year because I do think that in general the marginal signings that other teams make or the marginal veteran signings that other teams make, they always seem to look a little bit better when they're on the opposition on paper, you know, like, like those, those guys that other teams can sign, you might look at it and say, Oh, that's a big signing. When in reality, they're kind of all marginal signings that aren't going to move the needle too much. But I look at this Bucks roster right now. And again, as we saw with the Bucks through this playoff round, health plays such a big part of this. 
But if you go through the guys for me that are they're locked into the rotation and going to be guys that are going to play most nights, I think you've got Giannis, Chris, Drew, Brooke Lopez, Dante DiVincenzo, Pat Connett, and George Hill and Bobby Porter. So that's eight guys. Now, of course, during the regular season, there's going to be games where you're going to go 10 deep. You're going to go 11 deep. You're going to keep the minutes down as, as we saw during stretches during this season. But ultimately, you do have eight guys that we just saw go through a playoff run. Now, George Hill has performed in the past in the playoffs. Certainly in that Toronto series, he's one of the best players on the roster. And then Dante DiVincenzo, still a little bit of an unknown. And we really do just hope that he can get healthy and, again, be a starting caliber player on this team. So there's eight guys. We just saw this team basically play seven during the playoff run. So I'm not too worried about the postseason rotation. And then on top of that, you've got three more guys that I don't know what to expect. They're going to play during the regular season. Maybe you find out that one of these guys, maybe two, are players that you can trust in the postseason, and that's Rodney Hood, Semi Ojale, and of course, uh, Jordan Wara as well, as you already pointed to. So me personally... I can look around at other teams and see that they made good moves. They made strides. This is always the case in August. But I'm not too worried about the Bucks' rotation in terms of do I think that they have the depth? Do I think that they have a championship rotation? Because I just don't think they've lost much from the key players that were in this, uh, in this roster in this championship run. Of course, PJ Tucker. Of course, I'm not ignoring that that is a loss and what he brought to the team. But I wouldn't say I, I, it would be time to panic or, or stress about it. I, I still feel pretty fine about it again. Reminding and knowing that I do expect that at some point during the season, there's going to be another ad, if not in the next week. Let's discuss rockauto.com now, Justin. You've heard me talk about these guys for a long, long time because they've been supporting us for over a year now and we really appreciate it. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and then wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your wallet. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every single customer, and they have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So go to rockauto.com right now and you'll see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Tough replacing PJ. It's not crippling. Um, And and I'm, I'm with you on the you know, if we want to call it playable guys in the playoffs where the Bucks are at, that it's, it's very comparable to where they were last season. I think biggest difference right now before some of those questions are answered is PJ Tucker allowed you to do things differently. And, um, you know, just with his versatility, he changed things there. So you're going to have to find somebody that does that. But if we can assume this team is going to be healthy it it really depends on the matchups that they have. And, you know, that's kind of what we saw throughout this playoff run with the usage for guys like Bobby Portis. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's funny now that for as, as much as the move was railed on, Pat Connaughton proved to be a very, very valuable guy all throughout the season, certainly, but the postseason, especially with his versatility. So you still have that. 
Well, and, Pat's the I lesson, mean, Justin. Pat's the lesson. Like <laughs> exactly. That's why I said let's not go too hard. Let's not go too early with either criticizing or praising deals. I'm not going to praise the George Hill, you know, contract four million. We'll see what he brings to the table, but I'm certainly not going to slam it. The Pat Connaughton deal should be uh, should be and to a lesser extent, deal. Bobby Portis too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and by the way, you bring up Bobby Portis. So this is I saw a little bit of sentiment about this, and I I agree. Uh, there was some frustration that well, you paid Bobby severely under what he was worth and what he earned this season with the expectation you were going to bring in another big name. So then perhaps bringing in George Hill is a little bit underwhelming. Again, I think all these things are separate. The frustration from the PJ Tucker non-deal, if you feel that way, we've already discussed certainly how we feel about that and, and what you know you would have liked to see happen there. And then the Bobby Porter situation and then the George Hill signing. So the George Hill signing in isolation, I really, really like. And then there's all these different factors here. But again, not, nothing changes the fact that, yeah, I mean, Bobby Portis is being underpaid. Obviously, we love that he was willing to, to come back. I just hope that there was nothing you know, untoward in terms of how they came to that agreement and maybe they leave him disgruntled. I, ho- I hope that's not the case because um, he, de- he deserved to get paid. I'm thrilled that he came back. Thrilled that he's staying in Milwaukee. I just hope that uh, I hope that he's uh, you know, just feeling positive and happy about the way that that deal went down because I, I do admit and I do agree he's, he certainly deserved to get paid more. Yeah, and I think in, you know, the last thing I'll say in the P.J. Tucker thing, and, and you and Frank have, have certainly gone over this quite a bit, it's, it's almost like the things that we talked about last year where the goalposts were seemingly moving with this team from the outside where – you know, a couple of years ago, we would point to how deep they were and a group of people would tell you, well, depth doesn't matter, that it's, it's, you can only have five guys on the court and you need seven really good guys in the playoffs. So then the Bucks went down that road and the first thing you heard was, yeah, but they're not a very deep team. <laughs> um, it, it's kind of the same with what I'm going to say about P.J. Tucker. But to me, P.J. Tucker's most value is probably with the Bucks that he just fits everything that they were looking to do perfectly. That that is probably the perfect landing spot for PJ Tucker. Maybe Miami is going to be really good for him, and maybe it's the second best option out there. There's a good chance of that, but I think his his maximizing his value was likely here in Milwaukee. It's it's also likely that we're going to see a steep decline from him. So as much as you can point to, man, look at what Miami did. I'm just not convinced that all of those pieces are going to fit as seamlessly in Miami as, you know, P.J. Tucker here in Milwaukee did. So there's a good chance we could see P.J. on the decline, which is, as you point that out, it's, well, why are you so upset that the Bucs didn't retain him, him then? To me, it, it just comes down to it seemed like he fit perfectly with the Bucs and that of all the teams out there, this was really the ideal spot for him with how he's utilized. So that to me is going to be curious to monitor throughout the season is, you know, Miami, maybe the biggest blow was just taking him off Milwaukee and not so much what he's going to bring to Miami as that season goes on. Yeah. And that's of, of course, we've already discussed it, but of course the, the financial stuff is, you know, brings about right. a lot of frustration there as well, but purely on court, it's good that you bring out PJ Tucker because as we uh, wrap up this show here, I do think it's interesting to see what other teams do. And this is nothing new. We've seen this in the past, but teams are out there getting big bodies. Miami, one of those teams, when you include obviously PJ Tucker, but also 
Uh, Markeith Morris that signed in Miami there. We know Brooklyn. I didn't necessarily think this was absolutely attached to the Giannis situation, but they signed James Johnson, who we've seen, you know, going back a long time ago now, did a pretty good job right. on Giannis. But I don't think it should be ignored. We just saw a postseason where Giannis went up against three teams. And it's not to say that there weren't challenges, and it's not to say that these teams didn't have anyone that could defend Giannis with any type of um, you know, moderate success. But Miami, in the end, were too small. They didn't have the depth. Uh, certainly Brooklyn were in that case. And then obviously Phoenix, poor old DeAndre Ayton was left to try and fend for himself, even though they had Jay Crowder, a couple of other guys there. So, you know, it's, it is interesting. I mean, this is the way the NBA works. And you are seeing some of these contenders in the East saying, okay, let's get some big bodies because we're going to need them because we're probably going to play Milwaukee. And the more big bodies you can throw at Giannis, perhaps we can wear him down. Now, nobody's been able to wear Giannis down yet, but maybe this year's the year. So I just think that is the interesting trend that I've seen from teams this offseason and even Philadelphia. Uh, look, you can laugh about this. Um, I would probably like to laugh about this. But Andre Drummond joining uh, Joel Embiid there. They haven't really done anything else. I did sign Danny Green. But yeah, I, again, just a trend. Just a trend that we often see with teams. Okay, how do we stop the champion? And we saw it when with Golden State in the past. We saw it, obviously, with the Lakers. We know the Bucks themselves, I think, have made decisions in the past in terms of having another big backup center for a guy like Joel Embiid. Of course, that playoff matchup feels like it's never going to happen. But it's, it's, worth, uh, it's worth noting. It's worth looking what other teams are trying to do, in my opinion, to counter the champs. Yeah. And, and I just wanted to say the champs, counter the champs. I, I said <laughs> champs about six times in the last 30 seconds, which felt pretty good. I mean, I've, I've said it about 600 times in the last two weeks. So, um, yeah, and to me, I mean, look, we can point to Miami and what they've done. Um, Miami is better, at least on paper, they are better than where they were a season ago. And, and I think your point is valid of where you look at adding Morris and adding P.J. Tucker and even adding Kyle Lowry, that Miami's going to be a pain to play against defensively. They're going to slow things down and really muddy it up and make it a very tough physical game. To me, the question still is the offense. And I don't know where they've really massively upgraded there. With Brooklyn, offense was never the issue. Um, with the moves that they made, I mean, you know, we can talk about bringing in more size to stop uh, Giannis. I mean, losing Jeff Green is, is a pretty decent blow for the Brooklyn Nets. Other than that, they've had a pretty good offseason, the addition of Patty Mills, to an already pretty explosive offense is going to be tough. But as you look at everything that's been done in the East, you know, Chicago is getting a lot of attention for the moves they made. I mean, that, that really means unless I'm way off here, maybe they could challenge for sixth in the Eastern conference with the roster that they've assembled. To me, it's still the bucks and the nets are atop the Eastern conference. The Sixers are the interesting team. Cause as you pointed to, they haven't really done much other than keeping Danny green and bringing in Andre Drummond, but we all kind of assume something is going to happen, that they're going to continue to address the roster, and whether that's a Ben Simmons trade or not, they're just kind of in a holding pattern for now. But to me, Philadelphia and Miami are, are still in that tier below where the Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets are. So that, to me, is why you can point to, as, as you guys went over extensively, you can be disappointed that P.J. Tucker isn't back, but to – to label this a disastrous offseason, I'm just not there with anybody that's going to do that, given what the Eastern Conference looks like. That, 
you know, you had the window last year with injuries and you took advantage of it. And that's important. But I mean, I think we all kind of assumed barring the Bucks just absolutely knocking it out of the park in free agency, Brooklyn was likely going to be the favorites coming into the season. And that appears what it's going to be. But I still think the Nets and the Bucks, as you look at what other teams in the East have done, to me, those are still the two teams that are in a tier by themselves in the East. All right. Betting on your favorite sport, whether it is a basketball, football, baseball, doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. All right. This is a pretty good spot to wrap it up, I reckon. And uh, just to finalize i guess the, the points you were just making there specifically with miami of course victor oladipo signed back there as well and i did see some disappointment from bucks fans there who probably looked at the list of guys that were attainable i mean were, <laughs> uh, i mean i was laughing at the the uh the, the fake twitter account that really got people excited but i will say in general when you looked at guys that were you know potentially able to be got for a cheap price oladipo was intriguing again the amount of injuries he's had, we'll see. But if he's healthy, that'll be another you know, pretty nice addition to that Miami team as well. As I mentioned a couple of days ago, he was starting to look like he was playing pretty good basketball in Indiana before uh, he went... Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, Indiana, Houston, wherever. He, where I can't keep track of all the teams he's been on. But he was starting to look like he was playing better basketball than obviously went down as soon as he got to Miami. So uh, don't completely disregard that signing if he's able to get healthy no. as well. So, yeah. No, we'll see. but... Uh- yeah, and I, I would just say, I mean, to me, I, I, I know there was this, this push to bring Victor Oladipo to Milwaukee and the, well, he's, he, you know, he wants to play here. He's tight with Giannis. I just, from the start, assumed he was going to be in Miami, that he would sign a one plus one or something in a, a cheap deal since the market was non-existent for him. And then next year is when he can cash in. So I, I never really anticipated that to happen, but... Hmm. You know, it's it's kind of what we're talking about with Rodney Hood. It's it's an interesting flyer to take that if if he can regain his form and bounce back from injury, then great, he's going to give you something. But you know, with Victor Oladipo, it's it's been even more prolonged than with Rodney Hood that we just haven't seen it for years now. And you know, the the last thing I would point to because one of the radio shows I was on, we were talking about the I guess tears in the Eastern Conference, and I I said, look. Miami's going to be better than they were a season ago, but they're still not at that level uh, as the Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets that, you know, they might be the fourth best team in the East, depending on what Philadelphia does or if another team pops up out of nowhere. And to me, the biggest thing is they're kind of in the spot that the Bucks were last year in terms of how their roster is constructed that, yeah, you went all out with your starting five and you upgraded that, but it's, it's basically just those starters who knows what you're going to get with Victor Oladipo and then Tyler Hero, and you're filling out the rest with minimum guys, which, you know, it's one thing to do that when you have the two-time reigning MVP, a player like Drew Holiday, an all-star and all-NBA capable player like Chris Middleton, and that's three of the five guys in your starting lineup. That, that's not the case with Miami. Again, they're going to make it tough defensively, but you can't compare that starting five to what the Bucks assembled last year. The playoffs are a long way away, Justin. Lots can happen. Lots can happen between now and then, but it is the time of year for overreaction. So, you know, I, I do welcome it. And probably I reckon early next week we'll have a chance to 
see the summer league team played. Maybe we'll have some more clarity about how this roster ultimately looks like it's going to finish up. We might do a mailbag. We'll do a mailbag. I know we hinted it after the championship, but just everything just continued to roll and it's been a little bit difficult, but we'll get a mailbag going and we'll get your thoughts. I know there's, there's, there's plenty of reactions and uh, to, to what the Bucks have done here in the last few days. And of course, we love to hear your thoughts about that. So we'll do that early next week. But Justin, always good to catch up with you. It's been a little while and you just try your best to relax, man. Put the feet up. You've got about probably six weeks here before it all starts again. So don't get too comfortable, but freshen up. Yeah, uh, six weeks sounds about right because I would imagine it'll be uh, the last week of September where camp will begin and we'll have, well, who knows? I mean, maybe we'll have a traditional media day. Maybe it's going to be virtual like it was uh, last year. And I should also point out that same show that I was on earlier this week, we, we were doing something with your favorite snack foods. And I, I did have to mention, look, there's one thing that really got me through the NBA season. And that was bringing some built bars into Fiserv Forum for about seven months. So uh, trying to spread the word of that as much as I can. Uh, we love it. We love it. And, uh, and so did our listeners. So appreciate that. We're going to support our friends over at Built Bar. But Let's wrap it up there. We'll continue the conversation tomorrow. Who knows what free agency can bring? Like I always say, these podcasts feel like they have an extremely short shelf life. I couldn't spit that out. A short shelf life. But we'll be back tomorrow for Justin and myself. We'll speak to you guys then.